Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, we are talking for, with Christopher Maylett from Body Swaps. Chris has been a thought leader and really a maverick in the area of immersive technology. He's given talks all around the world, most notably VR Days and the Raindance Film Festival. He's here, though, today to talk to us more about his latest company and venture, Body Swaps. So we are so lucky to have him on the show. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Craig. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me and for calling me a maverick. It's very humbling. Well, I looked at uh, some of your profile and it definitely fits for the stuff that you've been doing. I probably could have went on Cheers. and on. <laughs> Cheers, I always ask this question because it, it's such a, a curious answer to everyone when they first come on the show, and that's, what got you interested in virtual reality? Um, I was always interested in storytelling. So, you know, like writing terrible songs and, and, and bad novels and, and things like that. And uh, five years after I moved to London, I was working in social media uh, and far from, from imagining what it could become today. And I um, was a bit bored of my job. And I met with um, someone I found on LinkedIn in a, in a pub in London. And he had the Oculus DK1, which was the first uh, development kit version of the, of the headset bought by Facebook. And on there, he showed me an experience called the Night Cafe, where someone had recreated the Night Cafe, so the Van Gogh painting, in 3D. So essentially, you could walk inside an animated version of a Van Gogh painting. And that just completely blew my mind. Like one of those moments when, when you know, new doors open, you say, oh, that's a completely new way of telling stories where you become the protagonist. Um, and yeah, I picked up my jaw from the floor and I left my, uh, my job a couple of weeks later to start a business with Julien. <laughs> I've never heard of that one. So that's another sort of feather that I can put into this long sort of list of why people love to engage in VR. I've seen lots of companies and organizations use VR to scale up technical skills. So for example, just the other day, I was uh, helping someone out with uh, a forklift training VR scenario and they also had this fire extinguisher one but mm -hmm. your company or you have put your hat or hung your hat on something a little bit broader which is equally important in a school in a business and that's soft skills training why soft yeah. skills training oh i guess the the the, well, the first reason is um is you know machines are getting better at being machines, and so we need to be better at being humans. And everything mm. that's happened in, in, in recent years, it's not like soft skills is anything new, it's always been important, but in recent years, um, you know, workforces are remote, uh, decentralized, more horizontal, a lot of the work is, is uh, automated, the culture of, of leadership is changing because it has to change because you know, we are more diverse and, and we need to be more, more, more inclusive. And so there's a lot of work to be done by any organizations who want to, who want to survive in, in that you know, new world of work. But there's a big challenge today when it comes to soft skills training. 
And that's, you know, adopting a new soft skills. Let's say, you know, becoming good at uh, active listening, for example. That's not something you pick up uh, in, in, in a few minutes. It's a, it's a skill that you need to practice to, to adopt. And today, there's a, there's a big trade-off between scalability of soft skills training and effectiveness. And what I mean by that is if you take uh, coaching, for example, coaching is fantastically effective if you can see a coach over and over again. But a coach is like 500 quid per hour. So obviously, you're not going to scale that to an entire organization. It's just not, 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 not practical. It's way too, too, uh, too expensive. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have e-learning. E-learning is great. It's, it's extremely scalable. It's very cheap. But you know, learning about uh, active listening on video and hoping that it's going to work for you as an individual is a little bit like trying to learn to swim on PowerPoint. Right, it's just it's just not the right medium, and so that's the challenge. And then on the on the side of this, you have a lot of research on embodied virtual reality. So you know what's the impact on your behavior, consciously, subconsciously, when you have a body in virtual reality, and then I put you in social situations. And you've had studied uh, mostly from Stanford University, but also in Europe, around you know putting convicted domestic abusers in the body of a woman being harassed. Uh, or putting people who are going to be juries, uh, you know, in a, in a court of justice in the body of a black uh, defendant and see how that would influence their judgment. Or, um, having, uh, women with, uh, high uh, depression symptoms, uh, give you empathy to a characters, say nice things, and then swap bodies with that characters to receive empathy from themselves and the impact it had on them. And all of those studies basically agree that virtual reality is an extremely powerful way to transform behavior. And so we have a new solution to an old challenge, right? You have a safe, realistic way uh, to practice skills that for businesses is impactful and scalable. It's funny because schools also, not just businesses, are slowly starting to realize that we just can't assume that kids are good at these uh, soft skills. Like sometimes I know I've been teaching for 26 years mm -hmm. and sometimes we just expect the kids to be good communicators. And if they aren't, you know, we blame the parents or we blame some sort of psychological problem that they might have like ADHD or whatever. And, you know, that landscape in schools is shifting where we're actually now trying mm -hmm. to coach and teach them soft skills. Do you, I mean, I'm very keen to get your, your view on that. Like, do you, I've heard from schools we talk with that actually um, uh, communication skills are, are potentially getting worse, and they they point that at at social media and the fact that there's less and less you know face to face uh, real relationships. And on top of that, there's a sometimes an illusion amongst young people that hey, they're young, therefore they must be good at soft skills. What what what's, what do you think of that? Yeah, my my qualitative observations are you know it still just depends on the kid. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have uh, quantitative data to sort of say that, you know, this has been collected and by and large, you know, this particular group or population has gone down. It's so hard to measure, uh, especially in schools where, you know, content still, don't get me wrong, content is still king in schools where, yeah. you know, the majority of the day unfortunately, is still spent teaching them math and chemistry and, you know, mm. Shakespeare. And it, it's taking a monumental shift 
to convince teachers that, you know, we can look these things up on the internet, but, you know, teaching them more skills, we call them 21st century skills, which are more transferable to businesses and enterprise and, and life for that matter. Those, it's taking time to get teachers to realize that those need to be like we need to spend just as much time on those as we are getting them to do well on tests. So, yeah, and I I, I studied in the management school, um, and this one thing I didn't learn is management. Do you know what I mean? I I we were given like you know fifty page Harvard Business Review case study on where you would deploy your next car factory for Ford, which makes no sense for any twenty one year old student. But I was never told, you know, this is how to receive feedback or how to give feedback, or this is how to speak up or ask questions. Uh, and we're working now with uh, further education colleges in the, in the UK. So, you know, uh, FE colleges, for those who don't know, are around like so, um, hard skills. So people who are going to become, you know, take care of uh, I don't know, horses or become makeup artists or so, like uh, social care workers. And, and essentially what they say is, is the hard skills get you the interview. Soft skills get you the job. Soft mm. skills let you keep the job. And so we're working with them on, on the basics of professional communication. Um, because often students would, would, in the first days, the first placement, would either be uh, overly aggressive or aloof or very, very shy. Um, and this is not something that you, you know, you're born great communicator or a bad communicator it's a skill that you can practice and it's 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 great that education is starting to look at those um because because they are very important for employability but also general well-being and let's unpack then a little bit more body swaps mm -hmm. and you know you alluded to this early and i'm it's going to come out i know once you unpack my question here and that is what an amazing tool VR can be to teach certain things. You know, uh, the low-hanging fruit right now, sadly, for education is to use VR to look at the heart or to look at uh, how your organs sort of play out in 3D space. And, you know, I argue in my book that I have out just recently that that's not mm -hmm. the magical powers of VR. VR is more an experiential machine, which, you know, is why I wanted to interview you guys, because I think it's a great use case scenario. So mm -hmm. tell us more about body swaps. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, everyone uses flight simulator in the aviation industry to, uh, to, train, um, to train pilots. And, you know, it's, it's absolute common sense why you would use those, simply because uh, you can simulate a number of incidents very, very quickly. Um, and if, as a learner, you fail to solve the incidents, you're not crashing a plane and killing people. So that's, that's pretty obvious. And essentially what body swaps is, is a flight simulator for soft skills. Mm. Um, and so what that means is instead of simulating you know, flight incidents, we're simulating difficult conversations. And giving learners a space to practice those difficult conversations in a way that is realistic but also in a way that is uh, psychologically safe, which is very important, especially when people feedback negatively on, on role-play and things like that. And so the way, the, the, the secret ingredient of body swaps is self-reflection. So maybe I can give you a, um, an example of the very first body swaps we did was for 
training nurses in psychiatry. And when you're studying to become a psychiatric nurse, you spend you know, time in the classroom, learning all the, the knowledge about you know, the mental health conditions. Um, and then after a while, you're going to be placed in hospitals where you're supposed to be supervised, but really your, your, your supervisor is also a doctor and he or she is busy. And so you have 20-somethings running around psychiatric hospitals, corridors, having conversations with suicidal and schizophrenic patients with no prior experience of having those conversations. And those are not conversations that you can mess up, right? Because the stakes mm. are way too high. There's no learning on the job there. The, the, you know, if, you, if you mess up that conversation, the consequence can literally be death and, and trauma. And so what you have here is a gap between the classroom and the real world. And that gap is called experience. And it takes you years to go there. But now we have a technology that allows you to simulate that experience and to really squeeze it in a small amount of time. And it won't get you 100% ready for the real world, but at least you can build some confidence. And so the way it works, the, the body swap is very simple. is Put on your headset, choose an avatar, so you have a body that's you. Play a little bit in front of a mirror to take ownership of that virtual body of yours. And then you meet Susan, who is a, a, a psychiatric patient, and you get to ask questions, and she's telling you about her life in very, very personal terms, about her husband, her dog, what she watches on TV, how she feels when she's, she's suicidal, and so on. And after a while, once you've listened to her and asked the right questions, your job is to then tell her, give her techniques based on what she told you on how to cope better with her days. And you do that like I'm talking to you right now. So there's no you know, choosing A, B, or C or quiz, or watching a video, no, I, you're just talking, you're improvising, so to speak, but based on those in instructions. So people will speak for, you know, 30 seconds to three minutes, as much as you want, and one, once you're done, you press the body swaps button. And the way that works is, you've talked, so we recorded your voice, and you've been in VR, so we know how you moved your heads and how you moved your head. And so we're pulling all that data together to recreate the scene but this time we put you in Susan's body. So this time you are in the patient's body and you see yourself, you have the avatar of yourself that has your voice, that has your body movement, and you get to viscerally feel, okay, this is how I come across to a, to a, to a suicidal patient. This is what I say, this is how I say it. And the first time around, it's, it's quite difficult, but then you're going to practice that one, two, three times, and after the third time, you are going to feel more confident about your performance. And on top of that, we use semantic analysis and body language analysis to give you uh, personalized feedback. So that's how, that's you, how body swaps work, yeah. How did you come up with the research to give that constructive feedback to the person once they were done? So, you know, where did your playbook, if you will, come from that says, you know, here's, what, here's where you went wrong, these are the things that, you know, you should have been listening for or doing in regards to body language. So the way you do that, you work with a, a subject matter expert. And essentially the question is, if you are a coach, let's say, you know, teaching someone around uh, active listening and you do a little bit of a role play, what would be the things you would feedback on? And, um, and then there are some elements that you can, uh, where you can uh, uh, automate the feedback and some where you, you can't. So, for example, um, I can automate feedback on uh, maintaining eye contact because in VR, I know where you look. 
I can automate feedback on basic body language, such as you know whether you lean forward across your arm. But it's feedback that I cannot uh, uh, automate about you know very specific uh, body language that the, we don't have the data for. And then semantically speaking, um, we can do speech to text. So everything you say is turned into text, and then in that text we look for any keywords. So I can, for example, in the psychiatric experience, we, we give you a points if you call Susan by her name. Because, you know, that builds a, a, a personal relationship. But as you know, semantic analysis is not perfect. Uh, you know, when you talk to Siri, quite, quite often it, it's, uh, it, it, it gets it wrong. So we push as much as possible the automated personalized feedback based on what the subject matter experts tell us. And then on top of that, we're now going to use a coach app where you can, when you're happy with, what, with how you perform, you can submit that intervention uh, as a video to a coach that can then review it and give you that last layer of you know sophisticated human feedback that will is probably the, the missing link in terms of the of the confidence you'll have to apply your skills in the real world. That would be fantastic for people who run suicide hotlines too. I'd imagine it depends on yeah. the part the part of the world you're from, but some people that sit behind a phone for a suicide hotline may not have any training. So this would be a great sort of use case scenario for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. Uh, I've tried body swaps. You let me do a demo version. So mm -hmm. slightly different version than the one you were just describing in the demo version. They had three modules that I tried. One was about active listening. The other was getting me to be clearer uh, at communicating. So I listened to a scenario where two coworkers were talking to each other and I had to pinpoint when communication maybe was unclear when they were talking about an issue. And then the third module that I tried was inclusivity training. So being more inclusive. Is this uh, just a demo or is that a, a standard sort of three modules that you try and provide for uh, most of your body swap uh, VR app? Yeah, so the, the, the business model now is to offer a library of off-the-shelf simulations. And those are the first three off-the-shelf simulations on the library, which we put under the umbrella of uh, workplace communication essentials. And then now we're releasing new simulations around employability skills, inclusive leadership, and so on. Which of the three that I listed would you say is most popular or most asked about or sought after for uh, soft skills? Um, which one do you think? What would be your, your guess? I, given the uh, political climate around the world, not just the United States, but everywhere, I would say uh, inclusivity might be uh, highly popular. Yeah, yeah, you uh, you're absolutely right. It's um, it's a it's a it's, it's a hot topic right now. It's also it's the most sought after, and it's probably the one that gets that is um, most people's favorite. Um, and the reason for that is, is quite simple. The, the clear communication simulation, you, you get to watch someone being very bad at communication, which is de facto a little bit boring. Uh, mm. Whereas at gender inclusion, you get to watch someone being sexist, which is emotionally a lot more impactful and gets you a little bit more, uh, more uh, engaged. Is there others besides the the gender one? Like, have you launched any other ones? Like, obviously, you know, racism would be under the umbrella of inclusion, and probably a whole host of other ones. Yeah. So we so we're releasing a new series of simulations next month around inclusive leadership. Um, 
And um, the skills you have to develop as a leader are giving feedback, managing conflict, and coaching the manager. But the way we do so, those three simulations, they work together in the way that all the characters are the same. And you see a relationship uh, developing between Florence, who can be quite racist or culturally stereotyped at least, and uh, Abiku, who conversely is, is, uh, is a little bit sexist, uh, and then Jeremy, the manager, who is overall non-inclusive in his way to, 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 to manage his team. And, um, and so the idea is to, um, to explore various themes, such as you know, racism and gender and, and cultural bias, but not to, um, not to silo them too much and to bring a, a level of complexity and not do, okay, this is the simulation when there's the good guy and the bad girl mm. or, you know, the racist white and, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and the victim and bring a little bit more subtlety in the fact that often in conflicts, there are layers of, of, uh, of, you know, of feelings and not, it's, it's never that black and white. Someone is 100% right. Someone is 100% uh, uh, horrible. So we really try to bring, bring that in via scripting, which takes a long time uh, and is, it's difficult, but that's, yeah, that's the challenge now. I want to talk a bit about identity. So when, uh, when a participant or a user first enters your application, and you mentioned this earlier, they have to pick what they look like, which is called their avatar. And your app allows someone to pick between six different avatars. So different mm. skin color that you can pick, different gender, hairstyle, maybe facial features. Mm. Is that important and significant? Why, why let them choose? And, and then a follow-up question to that is, you know, if they don't choose someone that is what they're like, either their skin color or their gender in real life, does that impact how they play out for uh, some of the modules? So, so we, it's interesting because we don't have the data yet on, uh, on the performance of certain uh, uh, avatars. Mm. Um, we, have, we, we have a limited choice at, uh, at the moment, but obviously the, the more choice you can give people, the, 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 the better. Um, what's interesting is there's been quite a few uh, there's been quite a few studies on how your own virtual representation influences uh, your performance and, uh, and and the perception of things. There was one where you were having conversations with uh, with a therapist. So essentially, you know, uh, I would have a character asking me a question. You know, how has your week been? That's the therapist. I would reply and say, well, those were my problems this week. Then I would swap body and be the therapist and say, okay, this is what you could do. And then I would go back into myself and listen to those, uh, to that, to, to that feedback. That's an experience by a guy called Mel Slater. And he took two groups. And in the first group, the therapist looked just like the patient, right? So they had created an avatar that looked just like the patient. In the second group, the therapist looked like, um, uh, Freud, Sigmund Freud. Um, mm-hmm. and the voice, your voice was slightly modified. So it sounded a little bit deeper. And what they found is the people who listen back to themselves, essentially, but to themselves looking like Freud, um, uh, just took in more advice and gave that, that experience more credibility. Hmm. So that's, that's the interesting. And there's another one, which is crazy, where you have so three groups of people. Um, they're going to be doing an experience where they're going to play drums. So they're going to accompany in VR a drummer. 
and they are told that the experience is about being as good as drummer as, uh, as possible. And group one, they have uh, white hands, as in paper white. Um, second hand, a uh, second group, uh, 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 black hands, you know, uh, Afro-American hands, and the last group, uh, white hands, as in uh, Caucasian. And what they measured actually uh, was not really how good you were; is they had a sensor uh, on your body to measure how much you moved. And what they saw is that the people who saw themselves in a black body had a tendency to move their body more whilst playing. Hmm. And that's called the Proteus effect. And what the Proteus effect says is you subconsciously adopt very, very quickly the, the characteristics that you attach with the body you're you, you inhabiting. So essentially yeah. your body is a, is, is a construct that you know, I'm, I'm a white male in its, in, its, in its 30s, so that's how I see myself. But the brain is very, very quick to accept that, oh, no, actually I'm black, or actually I'm a woman, or actually I'm old. Mm. It's, it's very interesting. It'd be like you embody an old man and go and try and play the active game Beat Saber, and your body probably wouldn't swing as fast because you think you're an old man, right? They, see, it's, it's, it's crazy you say that because there, there's an experience where it gets you to, uh, to uh, embody an older person and then to go to another lab to do a... So either you embody someone who's your age, like 20, that was Stanford University, or you embody someone who's um, much, uh, much older. And um, the first thing they found after that is a questionnaire that asks you how much, how are you going to spend the money you've been paid to do the experience? Are you going to, you know, go on holiday, buy a present for a friend or save for later? And the people who saw themselves as old, and in the experience, they were just playing and singing and whatnot. The, the people who saw themselves as old, on average, they saved three times more money. Uh, and, you know, like money saving is the single most important economic behavior. But the other fun fact is they were then asked to go to another lab to do another experience. And they measured the time that it took for people to go from lab A to lab B. And the people who had seen themselves as old were slower to walk to the second lab. Wow. I, I, I want to talk a bit about um, context also. So in all of your scenarios that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed and got to try in the demo version, every situation had a fairly serious tone to them. Is there any room in this kind of genre to use humor within these uh, simulations or is it just wouldn't play out right to try and teach the necessary skills? Whatever works best, really, you know, um, I think at, at the moment, the, the simulations you've tried, they're very much uh, corporate training focused. And, um, and from a pure sales perspective, you need to keep a level of seriousness for, you know, big banks uh, to, to be able to adopt your solution, which already is an innovation and can be quite, quite, a, 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 quite a hard sell. But um, for example, there's a, there's, a, there's a game that people play when they have you know, group workshops around uh, team collaboration. And uh, that game is called the Shipwreck. And in the Shipwreck, you divide you know, your typical workshop of 12 people between you know, two groups of six, and you give them a set of cards. And you tell them, okay, you own a shipwreck, all six of you, and those cards are objects that you've salvaged. Uh, and there's water, there's matches, there's like, you know, all, all kinds of objects like this. And you have to decide as a team um, what objects you're going to keep. And so you discuss as a team and then you get the solution. But obviously, 
what the coach is looking at is the way the team collaborates. You know, who takes the lead and does everyone get to say what they have to say? And does the best solution proposed in the team actually come up to the solution chosen by the team? Hmm. In VR... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yep. And, no, and, and what I was thinking is, in VR, you could do the shipwreck as a real shipwreck. You know, like you could make it incredibly immersive. You could add a layer of, of you know, pressure and, and, and scares and things like that. And we, we, I'm 100% with you that the best way to teach some of those skills is sometimes to go beyond the actual, oh, let's replicate a meeting. You know, like when, when you train for football, you, you don't play 11 aside every day, the, the whole training, right? You're going to train on specific uh, uh, aspects that are outside of the regular rules. And I think uh, um, it should be the same for soft skills. So we, we're going to come there soon. Well, what were you going to say about, uh, about what you what, what you? Oh, used? I played uh, the shipwreck activity. I played something very similar, but they were stranded on the moon, but same sort of premise. And that is how do you yeah. negotiate with people and, you know, the order that was important wasn't necessarily the name of the game. It was more how people communicated and uh, got along within the group. Yeah, and uh, that's great. And in VR, it's very, it's very cheap to send you on the moon. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well said. Um, my next question that I was so intrigued about, and you actually preluded it earlier on when you were talking about nurses and trying to deal with pe people with suicides. So in your example, at the start of our talk, you said, you know, some of these nurses go in cold, they're greenhorns, they've had no experience, and they're required to try and talk someone sort of down from the ledge as you would, so to speak, when it comes mm -hmm. to suicide. What about the other end of the spectrum? So I use a VR app like yours, I get all sorts of practice and feedback, and my confidence builds. Is there any research as to whether once they enter the real world now that they become overconfident? Um, there's no research on that. It's an interesting question. Um, I would, well, the first thing I'd like to point out is I think um, when you try to learn soft skills with e-learning, it sometimes conflates knowledge with competency. Right, knowing a lot of uh, acronyms by heart doesn't make you a good manager. With with body swaps, the idea is is to start with awareness, um, and I think it's always a good thing to be aware of how you come across. You would never say of someone, "Oh, he's," you know, it's 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 never a problem to know exactly how you come across, to know, okay, this is how I sound, this is what I say, those are my mannerisms. And so already there's huge room for, for, um, for improvement there. Um, the limitations maybe of, of, of body swaps um, as it is, is you see yourself, and so you are the judge of your own performance. You can, see, you can watch model performances now. Uh, you have the behavioral data, but ultimately it's, it's missing a last layer of validation to make sure that you're not uh, 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 overconfident. And so that's why now we brought back the coach into the app by having that, that coach app. Um, 
Yeah, because in, indeed, I we believe in collaborative intelligence between between the coach and the machine. There are things that the machine can do better than the human being, but vice versa, there are things that the human being can do better than the machine. Because in the app, I noticed when I was done one of the modules, it asked me to self-assess on a scale of one star to five stars how good I was at particular sub-skills within you know, listening or inclusivity, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone could literally just say five stars, even though they didn't perform well at all within that uh, module. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh, uh, you're absolutely right. W- which is why now you have to send your intervention. If you rate yourself five star, then I'm going to tell you, oh, you rated yourself five star. Then um, that means you must be good. Therefore, as your coach, I'm asking to see, the last uh, intervention you did. And then as your coach, I will receive your self-assessment. And if you rated yourself five star and I'm inclined to give you two stars, then I will feed back and say, look, actually, this is where, where there was a mistake. Um, so the self-assessment is more to, to channel the self-reflection and say, you know, maybe you felt that you did good or you felt that you did bad, but let's break it down a little bit. Did you do good because you were good at summarizing uh, the bad behavior? Did you do good because you were good at suggesting how to improve? And so it's it's more of a of a guide uh, to to for 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 the self reflection. Have you had much requests from either K to twelve schools or possibly higher education schools for a modification of this for younger kids or younger teenagers or younger adults? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was talking yesterday actually with a school in uh, in, uh, in in Bangkok um, around that, and um, I think I think it's as you said before, it seems like it's an interesting moment for the higher education market, which is traditionally fairly slow uh, to move and and not necessarily able to spend huge a huge budget on innovation, but um, the COVID situation is really a, a pivotal moment, and we've seen the discussions we were having six, seven months ago, uh, let's say pre-COVID, around body swaps in higher education where mostly with the innovation department. You know, oh, let's, let's, let's play with that new toy and see where it goes. And now with, with those same schools and universities, the discussions we have are much higher up because reimagining learning is high on the agenda. Um, and so that's, that's good. And so, so much that we're working now with FE colleges, as I mentioned, around employability skills. So we're going to have an app around to teach the, the, the basics of professional communications when you arrive in your, in your first placement, you know, being able to speak up, to be clear and concise, to be polite, uh, things like this, uh, and also a job interview skill. Um, because if you think about it, if you're a job seeker, and unfortunately there's more and more job seekers today, and you have an interview, you might prepare what you're going to say, but it's very hard to train for how you're going to say it. Um, so there's, a, there's an opportunity here as well to use uh, immersive learning. What else does BodySwaps have on the roadmap looking ahead? I know some companies don't like to obviously uh, spill out some of their secrets yet, but uh, anything you can tell us that you're working on that the viewers or listeners might be excited to hear about? Yeah, I mean, in terms of content, um, so I just mentioned uh, employability skills, which is targeted more at further education. Um, and then uh, and then we're working on an inclusive leadership simulation, which I, uh, which I mentioned before. That's for the content. On the, on the platform itself, um, 
bringing the coach in uh, is an important one. And the second thing is going to be to deepen the behavioral data. Um, at the moment, you know, we have semantic analysis, we have body language analysis, we have, you know, what choices you made when you were choosing questions to ask or uh, what were the behaviors that you picked up on. But there are many other areas that, um, that we can explore. Um, you can have sensors to track, you know, breathing and heartbeat. Uh, you can also analyze the, the tone of voice for emotion. You know, if I were, if I was to speak to you in Polish, uh, you would very easily pick up whether I'm happy or angry or, Etc. And so the idea is to build up that the depth of that behavioral data for two reasons. Reason one is give better feedback to the learner. But reason two is with VR, you produce an unprecedented amount of behavioral data that is quite close to reality. Mm. So if I was to interview you to become a manager and I say, oh, tell me about a time where you uh, managed a conflict in your team you would tell me a story that ends well. And so the only thing I'm assessing when I ask that question is how good you are at answering that question. Yeah. I have no idea whether you're good at actually managing conflict. And so I put you in, in, a, in a body swap simulation where you have to manage a conflict, you have to express yourself. I'm, I'm able to assess your actual competency much, much better. And so if you have behavioral data at scale, Immersive learning becomes more than learning. It becomes business intelligence. And you can start to organize your organization um, using behavioral data, human data, and not just financial data. And so, you know, how are you going to build a team uh, together? Who do you need to recruit? What do you need to train people on so they work better together? You know, have a whole, a whole new set of, uh, of data to do that. And so that's the long-term future, I believe, for a lot of uh, soft skills uh, learning fascinating listen this has been so interesting to me i probably could go on for another hour but i better not is there anything else chris that maybe you hadn't had a chance to say that you think listeners might want to hear about related to vr and body swaps yeah i mean what what i would say is is just our openness to to collaborate on on many things we have i mean we have off-the-shelf simulations which Clients love because it's um, it's cost efficient. It's very immediate to uh, to deploy. But we also done a lot of bespoke projects. I, I mentioned the nurses. I mentioned I didn't mention we did one around safeguarding training for uh, for the NGO sector. And we've heard about projects about you know, hostage negotiation uh, being held at gunpoint, critical thinking, etc. And so we're always happy to hear from people who have ideas and see if we can help. Um, in any way with, uh, uh, with body swaps. Critical thinking would be a fantastic one, actually. I know uh, schools try and hang their hat on using that rhetoric in their mission and vision statements. So, I, I don't want to get political about this, but uh, the, the, the world is suffering from a huge lack of critical thinking. <laughs> yes, sure. yes, we see that uh, play out in the last few days here. So you're right, I won't get too political either. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested either in learning more about your product or your company, et cetera? Um, well, classic, classic ways. We have a website that's bodyswaps.co, just C-O. Uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Christophe Mallet. Uh, that's M-A-L-L-E-T. Um, and that's it. 
Awesome. If you just hang on the line after I uh, end this, we can have just a quick chat. So thanks so much, Chris, for coming on the show and exposing more people to some of the wonderful use case scenarios of using VR. Cheers. That was a pleasure. Bye for now.